The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and Today, 1977, Episode 1, As Time Goes By. In this episode, we'll cover January 1st through February 9th. It's 1977. It's been seven years since the Beatles last considered themselves a group. A lot of matters that kept John, Paul, George, and Ringo apart are now settled or gone, or apologized for, or simply resolved in court. The Beatles lose the battle over their early 60s Hamburg tapes, and another artist appearing with them during those club dates stands to make a bundle with his bootleg recordings. The Apple Corporation mess is on its way to final financial solution in 1977, as the IRS catches up with former business manager Alan Klein for a quarter of a million dollars of unreported Beatle album income. Each of the former Beatles are a bit wiser now about management and quite amazed at their initial innocence during Apple's trial run, says John Lennon. It's like people say, why didn't you do this? It's easy after the fact, you know, people are always saying about Apple and the Beatles' business. Why didn't you? Why didn't you? You sit in there with millions of dollars floating around and try and work it out. It's so easy after the fact to say, why didn't you? Relationships that once seemed threatening have stabilized. Others dissolved over the years. The passage of time, the chance to develop apart from a group made it possible. You must remember this, a kiss is still a kiss, a sigh, just a sigh. And the fundamental things apply as time goes by. They still say I love you On that you can rely No matter what the future brings As time goes by In New York City on January 8th, another Beatles lawsuit is about to be abolished. To document this event, John Lennon contacts photographer and friend Bob Gruen and asks him to meet him at the Plaza Hotel in Manhattan, the same Plaza Hotel where the Beatles first stayed in New York in February of 1964 and where the Beatles' dissolution agreement was signed in December of 1974. APCO Industries and Alan Klein vs. Apple Corps Limited and Harrison and Starkey. 
The 87-page agreement negotiated by Yoko Ono and Alan Klein summarized the out-of-court settlement. Apple Corps Limited would pay APCO $5,009,200 to settle and discontinue all outstanding disputes and litigations in both the U.S. and in Great Britain. In turn, APCO would pay out $800,000 to be divided between Harry Songs Limited, Richard Starkey, Apple Films Limited, and Apple Records Incorporated in California. APCO also purchased an aggregate of 52,882 of its own common shares stock from Harrison, Starkey, and the Lennons. It is also reported that APCO had spent $2.7 million in legal fees regarding this overall dispute. To better understand as to how this lawsuit came to be, is to understand the four major points of the Klein-Beatles-Divide timeline. Number one, the public perception of Alan Klein. Number two, the case that separated McCartney from Klein. Number three, Klein's post-Beatles management. And finally, in 1973, number four, John, George, Ringo, and Apple Corporation's final separation with Klein, all of which led to the case currently at hand. Here is WPLJ-FM Radio's DJ Meg Griffin with a snippet of an interview she had done with Fred Goodman. Mr. Goodman is an exceptional music and entertainment industry writer and author of the book Alan Klein, the man who bailed out the Beatles, made the Stones, and transformed rock and roll. For so many years, many of us heard uh, that regardless of the cleanup he did at Apple, regardless of negotiating those higher than most ever royalty rates for the Beatles at EMI, uh, he is often also described as the person who broke the Beatles up. Well, I mean, it's... Not true, first of all. Uh, You know, what happens is Paul McCartney does not want Alan managing him. Doesn't want him managing the Beatles, but certainly doesn't want him managing him. Doesn't want him to have anything to do with his business. Wants to be with his brother-in-law and father-in-law, John and Lee Eastman. Uh, Which, you know, on one level is his right. On the other hand, there is this thing called Apple Corps. It's a corporation. It's voted that Alan Klein is now our business manager. So it becomes a legal case. And really, what happens is fascinating to me, because under English law, Paul McCartney really has a terrible case. Under corporate law, he's going to lose. But there is a thing in English law called equity, where you can ask the court to give you special relief based on the fact that you have no place to go and you know it's a bad thing, and listen to this special pleading. And that requires tarring Alan Klein as black as you can. You know, And this guy's going to rob me. He's going to leave me with nothing. I won't know what to do. And this was basically the case that was presented. And Alan made a big tactical mistake and bit because he was a defensive guy, because he had something to prove, and answered all those charges instead of presenting a case that said, I don't know what we're doing here. This guy's got no standing to break it up. The partners have said he's the manager. You know, and, and it presented what law said. And they wound up losing the case. And a receiver was appointed. The other three Beatles continued to be represented by Alan Klein for several years. That's when the concert for Bangladesh is done. That's when uh, All Things Must Pass comes out. You know, and Alan is all involved in all of this stuff and, and in Ringo's career as well, and John's career, certainly. Uh, and 
his failure, though, his inability to deal with the receivership, which is going to require a settlement of financial issues, he can't admit that he's lost. He can't admit that you know he's got to do this thing. He figures if he hangs on long enough, something will fall apart, or whatever he's thinking. He just can't do it. And it gets to the point after a couple of years where you know George Harrison had said to one of the people who worked at ABCO, Alan's never going to settle this. We just have to leave. And they basically left and settled it on its own. There was really no acrimony. There was frustration over his inability to do what they needed. You know, instead, he's lending them money. Right. You know, uh, and and it's just a silly situation. So they leave, and of course, the acrimony is later when they have to settle up between them. And it's like, what do you mean we owe you seven million dollars? You know, that kind of thing. After three years of ridiculous litigation, the Apple and Abco suit is officially settled. Approximate figures indicate that Abco paid Apple about $800,000 and that Apple paid Alan Klein $5 million. Abco issued a statement to the press regarding the settlement and praised the tireless efforts and Kissinger-like negotiating brilliance of Yoko Ono Lennon. This result gives Paul McCartney some satisfaction, knowing that Klein is now fully out of the way. But the fact that Apple had to pay him disturbs Paul, as his album earnings up to Band on the Run was placed into Apple's account, and now that money that was clearly his was being used to pay Klein. Girls, it's been my pleasure to know quite a lot of you. And in the main, you're pretty sane. It's true, but there are a few. To do, to do, to do, beautiful a job. It isn't quite what they plan. The man gets the upper hand. He's taking her for a ride. I call it suicide. If when she tries to. If there's a next time, he's okay, cause she's under both his thumb. She limped along to his side, singing a song of ruin. I bet it's nothing to it. I, 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 I call it. 
this time it is announced in London that Linda McCartney is expecting a baby due in September. On January 15th, a Reuters news report tells of a committee formed that aims to reunite the Beatles for charity. The chairman and organizer is none other than three-time heavyweight boxing champion Muhammad Ali. His goal is to raise $200 million to feed and clothe poor and starving children throughout the world. Well, I'm just approached. I'd rather not talk about it because when things you do from your heart, you don't look for credit for it, so... Paul McCartney responded his way. The Beatles split in 69, and since then... They've been doing fine. And if that question doesn't cease, ain't no one gonna get no peace. And if you ask it just once more, I think I'm gonna break your jaw. John Lennon also weighed in in a Newsweek magazine article interview. Lennon, now a New Yorker, says in a Newsweek interview that he felt guilty about making so much money. He rules out any of the future reunion of the Beatles, 
and says that he hasn't spoken a word to McCartney. In the days following, Beatles producer George Martin is at Air Studios in London, working on a long overdue project, the live Beatles tracks recorded at the Hollywood Bowl from 1964 and 1965. They are being worked into an album that will be released later in the year. Meanwhile, in America on January 19th, a day before Jimmy Carter gets inaugurated as the 39th President of the United States, an inauguration ball is held at the Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts in Washington, D.C. John and Yoko are among the many celebrities attending the event. On January 24th in America, Warner Brothers and Dark Horse Records released the single Cracker Box Palace, backed with Learning How to Love You, both by George Harrison. This is the second single release from George's album 33 and a Third. It reaches number 19 in the American pop charts. Box, box. 
On February 1st, George Harrison continues the promotion of his album, 33 and a Third, by recording an interview in London with Anne Nightingale of BBC Radio 1. You were in the Beatles, but what have you been doing ever since? Because it's that I've long been, since I've seen um, you. I've been being an ex-Beatle. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, I've seen you since, I haven't seen you probably since 71, 72. Mm. I've been uh, beatling about still, you know, being sued, record companies, making albums, going on holiday, being divorced, all kinds of exciting things. Because <laughs> we, we haven't seen much really in England, so I thought, well, if we could sort of go back really yeah. to the end of the Beatles. That, yeah. And, for example, something, the effect that uh, something had... Yeah, that was a nice one. 150 was... cover versions of that. Something in the way she moves Attracts me like no other lover Something in the way she woos me I don't want to leave her now No, I leave her now Somewhere in her smile she knows I don't need no other lover Oh damn, something in her style Tracks me like no other mother 
Something in the way she wooed me Don't wanna leave it now You know I'm leaving how Same thing again Something in the way she knows What is this new lyric? Something in her style that shows me I don't want to leave her now You know I believe it how And now, ladies and gentlemen, we invite you to join us in a new radio quiz programme, and I hand you over to our host, Mr George Harrison. Oh, now it's time to spot the tune. It's quite good fun, really, because I've been doing it for years, ever since this thing started happening. I could never really understand it, because every song I can hear, you know, so many tunes in them, and certain tunes bother me more than others, like... I'll give you an example. I don't know if you, you like to play the game of well, spot yes, the tune, yes. but just to show that it's been going on for a long time anyway, the possibility of copyright infringements or using the same notes or the same chord structure or the same guitar lines or even in some cases similar lyrics. You know, it's, there's a point where it's accepted and uh, most people's music is like that anyway, is the result of their past experiences. And I think in that case anyway, we as individuals and as the Beatles were the ones most ripped off by everybody when it comes down to guitar lines, solos, harmony, can counterpoints, and you know all that. Does that bother you if you hear something? Well, you know, it just—it's just the idea of—it's um, funny how they got me because the song was such a big success and it was a hit worldwide and sold so many records, and they didn't bother with the song when it was a flop when Billy's version. It does bother me a bit how they don't notice other songs. Because there's songs like, one of them that really drove me crackers was Tie a Yellow Ribbon Round the Old Oak Tree, which is, uh, you know, tie, da 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 for I'll be looking for a bluebird, da 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 It's April showers, and then it goes, da 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 alone again, naturally. So it's April showers with alone again, naturally, tagged on the end. Nobody says a word. I mean, the great cases, which I happen to like, it's one of my favourite pop albums at the moment, is ELO. I mean, Jeff Lynne is really great. I mean, it's very talented and it sounds really nice but when you pull those songs apart it's unbelievable I mean mm. you want to check out yeah. telephone line is there's like what's the song of John Lennon's um, uh, let me I'll think of it it goes from a piece of John's into teenager in love and ends up with hello goodbye <laughs> I'd say. 
That's for Stevie Wonder. Mm. <laughs> well, you food glorious food. Da 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 da. Good morning or evening, friends. This is your friendly announcer. I mean, it's it's from Oliver. Yeah. Pop goes the weasel, which is um, village ghetto land. Da 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 da. You know, it's when you get into it, it's hysterical. As you say, it's a game that, that you can go and play mm. forever. That's really. why in this song it goes, the song could be you, which incidentally was the name of a single I had. Song could be you, could be, and then 
It says, the voice says, could be sugar pie, honey bunch. And the voice says, nah, sounds more like rescue me.
it's the most bizarre thing ever, really, somehow, that you should be called True Love by Cole Porter. I was featured in um, High, High Society, Society yeah. uh, with Grace Kelly and Bing Crosby. Yeah. Was it just the just um is it a song you've liked or just wanted yeah, to Yeah, I don't I think we must have done it years ago. When we played in Hamburg in the early sixties, we used to play eight hours a, a night. And so we used to sing everything in order not to repeat ourselves too much. Even we, true love? Well, yeah, we used to do crazier things than that. We used to do uh Besame Mucho and <laughs> you know, all kinds of loony things, Moonglow. So, um you know, it's playing the guitar and I just thought of that song and I worked the changes out and I put a few different ones in and I thought this sounds interesting <laughs> and uh, at the same time I could hear it in my head with all these slide guitar parts and stuff and done like a rock beat so I thought well, well I'll at least try it you know 
put down the basic track and it sounded too good to throw away. So I completed it. Don't You Cry For Me is really a song that's been around for a while. It was, I think that was the result of being with Delaney and Bonnie and Eric in 68 or 9, because at that time they, they had that record out, Coming Home, and on stage, well, on the record, Dave Mason had played bottleneck guitar. On stage, um, Delaney just gave me this bottleneck and I'd never played it before and he said, hey, oh, you play that part and I said, what do you do with that? I've never even seen one. I mean, I'd heard about it and I'd heard music played with that but never tried it myself. So from that day I got intrigued by playing slide guitar and this song, um, Woman Don't You Cry, was really the result of that period and it's also very skiffly to me. It was like my first big influence really was skiffle you know two chords and that's what this song is like you know with the exception of the middle it only has one chord all through it and uh, so it reminds me of skiffle but with a country rock sort of funky Willie Weeks bass and Alvin Taylor drums and with a little bit of slide guitar on the top but it's basically a skiffle song
think your future may be now? Um, really to continue just trying to be happy and not let um, the diversions, you know, get me down. And I think maybe later this year I should have um, a tour of the world or the places where, you know, there's music played, pop music. Like. Yeah, a really big tour that would be. Yeah, but I'd pace it much better. I've got to play Japan and Europe because, you know, they keep shouting about it. And uh, so once you find musicians, put a band together, rehearse, I might as well do the whole thing, but I think I'd take it easy. I wouldn't try and do, like in the States, 47 concerts in seven weeks. That's what we did, 74. I think I'd probably just play maybe 10 concerts or even maybe play a week and then have a week off and then another week. And if that happens, then I should, um, if there's any desire from anybody, then I should probably play some concerts in England or so.
After the interview in London, Harrison moves forward on the 33 and a third promotional tour. George and his girlfriend, Olivia Aris, board a flight to Hamburg, Germany. While in Hamburg, the couple visit some of George's old Hamburg haunts. George, look over here! Such as the Kaiser Keller and the Indra Club on the Reaper Bomb. Later in the evening, Harrison continues the promotional tour with an interview session at the Atlantic Hotel. Das war's. Dafür haben Dutzende von George Harrison Fans seit über sechs Stunden in der Kälte gestanden. Aber seine Bewunderer warten immer noch draußen. Hat er kein schlechtes Gewissen? No, no, it's very nice now. Nein, er freut sich über die Fans. Findet sie süß. It is at the hotel that George meets up again with an old musical staple of the past, Tony Sheridan. When we played in Hamburg, they kept wanting us back there because we were pulling lots of people and we got very good as a band uh, because we had to play eight hours a night. But we played at about three other places. We first went to a place called the Indra, which was shut down, and then we went to the Kaiser Keller, and then we went to the Top Ten, which is probably the best one on the Reaper Barn. And it was really, at that time, it was fantastic. Echo on the microphones. And we got a big repertoire of some of our own songs, but mainly all the old rock songs. In fact, everything. We used to play Moonglow and... Um, the next day, on Wednesday, February 2nd, George travels to Unterforing, a municipality in Upper Bavaria which is adjacent to the northeast side of Munich, Germany. He is scheduled for a musical appearance on the television show Disco 77. Und bis dahin bleibe ich. Tschüss, euer Ilya. Auf Wiedersehen. Harrison is seen at the end of the program miming to his song, This Song.
From Munich, George flies off to Amsterdam, Holland on February 3rd. Once settled in, Harrison films an interview for Veronica Television at the famous Dam Square. Hello, my name is George Harrison and it's nice to be here on Veronica. This evening we're going to be talking about my music and I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you. The interview is aired on the popular music show called Countdown. During the show, George plays the two videos he had made for the songs True Love and Crackerbox Palace. After the video, Harrison is asked about the Beatles reunion now that Alan Klein is out of the picture. Now that the financial and legal problems with Alan Klein have been solved, there seems to be little in the way to uh, reunite the Beatles. Is that true? Well, I mean, there's little in the business side left in the way, but there's a lot of other things. Just physically, we're all in different places now, and we don't spend time together anymore. You know, it's, that's the problem. We'd have to uh, get to know each other again because we haven't sort of hung around together like we did in the past. So, I mean, it's everybody's into their own lives. It seems very difficult, the idea of getting together. George has been also asked about the monetary offers that have been coming in to reunite the Beatles. But it's just a joke. I mean, it needs a joke when the last offer was for $50 million, and it's crazy, you know. It's trying to put the responsibility of making the world a wonderful place again onto the Beatles. <laughs> you know, I think that's unfair. I know a lot of people like the Beatles, but it's like eight years ago we split up, and it's like difficult, you know. It's like um, we all grew up and we left home. It's like trying to get the family back again or trying to get us to go back to school again. What do you, how do you feel about uh, 33 and a third? Yeah, I liked it. I mean, for me, it's like the songs, you know, it's usually different songs mean different things to me. But I think generally the album's nice because it's, it's happy. Like, we go through so many crazy things in our lives, and I've been up and down and up and down, and the, the music always reflects it, you know? Like some albums, I think my last album was more down. And this one is just happy and up. That's what I like about it. George then spoke about taking LSD, his charity work, and the concert for Bangladesh before leaving the station for his next stop, Hamburg, Germany. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show. It was a little short this time, but Veronica needs a bit more time, so maybe when they get the longer time, we'll do a longer show. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Good night. From Amsterdam on February 5th, the George Harrison 33 and a third promotional tour takes off for Paris, France. Later in the day, George is interviewed on TFI TV's program Le Rendez-vous de Dimanche with host Michel Drucker. Je vous demandais maintenant d'applaudir tous, Monsieur George Harrison. Je vous l'ai dit, c'est c'est la première fois que George Harrison vient à la télévision française. 
Je ne vous le présente pas, toute une génération, des millions et des millions de jeunes dans le monde entier le connaissent. Vous entendez You understand the traduction It's okay Il entend bien les traductions. Un petit peu fort. Ah bon, au plus fort It's too low It's too loud. It's too loud. Ah bon, c'est trop fort. C'est un peu trop fort. Alors, George Harrison a beaucoup de chance. Il a à côté de lui le chanteur français qui parle le mieux anglais, c'est-à-dire Enrico Macias. C'est lui qui va ouvrir le feu. Puisqu'on lui traduit, je peux parler en français. Vous pouvez parler de temps en temps anglais, c'est un bon moment. Je voudrais savoir si... Euh, tous, les, tous les éléments du groupe des Beatles, qui ont fait chacun de leur côté des disques et tout ça, s'ils se rencontrent de nouveau. Oui, quelquefois. Quelquefois. Vous savez, chacun vit dans un pays différent. John vit à New York. Ringo, lui, est à Monte Carlo. Moi, j'habite en Angleterre. Paul est en tournée partout dans le monde tout le temps. Ce qui fait que nous nous rencontrons de temps en temps. Nous nous téléphonons plus souvent. Vous avez 33 ans, 33 ans et demi, c'est d'ailleurs marqué sur votre dernier album, c'est son titre, hein 33 ans, 33, et je voudrais savoir s'il si, est facile de vivre à 33 ans quand on a le passé que vous avez. C'est presque, après ce que vous avez connu, vous êtes un, un retraité qui aurait pu finir ses jours tranquillement, et puis vous avez décidé de choisir la difficulté parce que essayer de faire carrière tout seul quand on a appartenu à un tel groupe, c'est la question que j'ai d'ailleurs posée sur ce plateau à, à Ringo Starr et à Paul McCartney, ça n'est pas facile, ça vous a posé des problèmes C'était relativement plus facile parce que une des raisons pour lesquelles on a arrêté d'être les Beatles, c'est parce que c'était une vie de fou, on n'avait pas de temps pour vivre une vie personnelle et les quatre, on avait commencé à écrire tellement de chansons que finalement, il n'y avait pas assez d'albums pour faire passer toutes nos chansons. On se développait trop vite et les Beatles étaient vraiment trop petits pour faire de la place pour les quatre individus, pour les quatre personnes. Alors, dans un sens, c'est plus facile maintenant, parce qu'il n'y a pas tellement de gens autour de nous, on vit une vie plus paisible, mais aussi, euh, c'est plus difficile aussi, parce qu'il faut penser à tout soi-même. Autrefois, euh, il y avait quatre personnes, à quatre, on pouvait toujours euh, porter le poids de la situation à quatre. Aussi, c'est très difficile d'être un ancien Beatle, un ex-Beatle. Les gens pensent toujours aux Beatles. Les Beatles, ça a été une si grande chose que maintenant ils attendent à beaucoup de choses. Ils attendent trop d'ailleurs de chacun des individus. Je vous promets que nous allons essayer avant la fin de cet entretien de ne plus parler des Beatles. Jean-Jacques, vous voulez poser une question à Premier Harrison Georges, le fait de faire une carrière en solitaire, maintenant, est-ce que ça t'a permis de t'éclater dans une nouvelle musique, dans une nouvelle direction musicale C'est-à-dire te faire plaisir, je traduis. C'est-à-dire oui. <rire> te, te faire plaisir, dans, enfin te faire plaisir, c'est-à-dire faire la musique que tu aimes vraiment. Est-ce que, est que est vers, vers quelle musique, si tu veux, maintenant ta carrière en solitaire te mène maintenant mm -hmm. Oui, eh bien, la musique, pour moi, être solo en individuel, c'est la même musique pour moi, sauf que c'était très agréable pour moi parce que je peux faire toutes mes chansons à moi. Avec les Beatles, on pouvait peut-être faire deux par album. Mais musicalement, 
Alors, c'est toujours à la base la même chose, mais on progresse toujours avec le temps, le temps change, la musique change, cela dépend de l'ambiance ou de beaucoup de choses. Mais il n'y a pas de but musical que je recherche et que je poursuis, pas du tout. Simplement d'écrire des bonnes chansons, des bonnes paroles. Euh, personnellement, moi j'aime les chansons qui ont une mélodie. Ce qui fait que c'est tout. Je cherche une mélodie, j'essaye de traduire en termes musicaux euh, mon expérience, mes sentiments. La musique, c'est le véhicule qui me permet de faire passer mes émotions et mes sentiments. Oui, la musique, c'est oui, comme celle des Beatles. C'est la même. Finalement, c'est la même. Je vous remercie, George Harrison. After the interview. Seeking some relaxation, George and Olivia fly from Paris to Acapulco, Mexico to attend the Warner Brothers press party. The next day on February 7th, Capitol Records in the U.S. released the single Maybe I'm Amazed by Wings. The track was taken from the live triple album Wings Over America. The single, backed with the live version of the song Soily, went to number 10 in both the U.S. cash box and billboard charts.
later in the day, McCartney and Wings are at Abbey Road Studios recording songs for a new album. February 8th and 9th, Wings continued work at Abbey Road Studios on a new album. Snow falls in the winter Spring brings the rain But it's never too long Until the summer comes again Glad you are 
During the sessions at Abbey Road, a television crew from Australian Television's Countdown Show visits the group to watch them rehearse. Right. While this is going on, we were in London and we happened to go into Abbey Road Studios and we happened to talk to Paul and Linda McCartney from Wings. Let's have a look at it. Over to Paul McCartney. First of all, uh, you actually started on recording a new album. Yeah. And you've been going, what, for four days or something? Yeah. Yeah, we're in the back room of... If you went through there, that's the studio yeah. we've been in. And yeah, we just put down some backing tracks for a new album. Well, the way I do it is uh, I think of it in my mind and think of this kind of way I'd like it to be and then tell everyone that. And then it, we kind of do this thing of kicking it around a bit and some little things will start to suggest themselves because of a style someone else is playing that I wouldn't have thought of. Yeah. And that sort of gets included, you know, all the good ideas we keep. And we'll, we'll change a thing in the course of recording it. Yeah. from my original idea, but uh, hopefully for the better, you know, something I just didn't think of. Uh, and what about you as a solo effort again? Uh, I've done a few songs, actually. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't quite know what I'll do with them yet. Yeah. Release them? I might release them in uh, 1893. Now, there is a surprise artist called Susie with a group, The Red Stripes, Susie and the Red Stripes. It sounds remarkably like Linda. Are you having me on? And no, no, really. But um, I mean, if Linda does any stuff, uh, we kind of thought that uh, she doesn't really want to release it under her own name because then people sort of say, "Oh, you know, look, she's getting flash, you know, look what she's really trying to do." But uh, she's had a bunch of songs, so she's going to release some of them under a name which will be very like Susie and the Red Stripes. Oh. But it's not her, is it, <laughs> folks? In fact, there's a song called Seaside Woman you might hear sometime. Yeah. So if you ever hear it by Susie and the Red Stripes, I can say I told you so. Well, since you've been last down, uh, Speed of Sound has been a, a monster. Now the double album, uh, Wings Over America. You must have been really happy about the live sound that came out of that album. No, we hated it. You hated it? it I terrible. loved it, he hated it. I see. <laughs> Well, what, what, what didn't you like about it then? No, I'm only kidding you, Ian. I see. I would, I kid you not, I liked it actually. It was all right. Yeah. And you've just seen the, I believe, the, the main rushes of the film or the film sort mm. of itself. Yeah. And when do you think that could be sort of out on the world market? Next Friday, I think. <laughs> <laughs> if we hurry it a bit, could be. Failing that, Christmas. Yeah. Um, any chance of coming down to uh, the land of Oz again? Yeah, yeah. we're thinking Definitely. about it, you know. Uh, what we're doing this year, though, is we're kind of taking it a little bit easier because we're pregnant. Yeah. I'm pregnant too, you know, and I've got to, I've got to take it easy. <laughs> but uh, so we're not. We're going to mainly get into songs and stuff this year and kind of change the act around and stuff yeah. that we'd be playing. And, and uh, so by the time we come back to Australia, we should have a whole new thing, you know. And so we're going to mainly record this year, but we might see you there in 1978. The whole country is fabulous. The animals, the koala bears. Well, I, I in know. In fact, we're thinking of trying to get them back in the Commonwealth. What, Australia? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, listen, I know I can say for thousands of Australians, we do look forward to the new album because, uh, I mean, like, it tops down Thank in our country. Great. And hello, well, Norman Gunston. <laughs>
And goodbye, Ian Milton. <laughs>
Coming up in a moment, John goes to the circus. I like the clowns and the little dogs. Ringo on the Grammys. I was expecting Paul McCartney. Oh, hey, oh. I wonder if those four guys will get back together again. If you say that again, I'm going to punch you out. And Wings set sail for the Virgin Islands. He's boating on. Yeah, put some boat. wood up on the back. He started to sink. He started to panic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Next on Yesterday and Today. For more information or to contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time. Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts yesterday and today and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad (laughs) from his better show than ours. (laughs) Wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the show's As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? (laughs) Don't worry, we will. You can head to our social media pages. That's Facebook.com slash Yesterday and Today Podcast or Facebook.com slash Third Men. Or you could head to Society6.com slash Kaminsky Family Podcast. That's Society, the number six, dot com slash K-A-M-I-N-S-K-I Family Podcasts. Yeah, keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. (laughs) Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello? The lights just went out. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, we need your help. (laughs) Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. (laughs) Thank you, Dad. All right. We'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see me.